0: Let us pray. Father, we bless you. We appreciate you. We give you all the glory for what you have done for us in Christ and for the hope that you have set before us. Lord, we pray that as we go into your word, you give us a heart that understands. You give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, so that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, and may know the hope to which you have called us, and the riches of your inheritance in the saints. We pray that at the end of today, we shall live here with a renewed hope in you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen yeah it's good to be before you again today to bring the word of god and um, i'll be bringing a body that has been in my heart for some time uh, which is uh, on the hope of our calling the hope of our calling uh, from romans eight seventeen to 24. because you know, if you read First um, Corinthians 13:13, 13, 13, speaks about the three things that abide faith, hope and love and um, says love is the greatest of them all um, but someone says hope is the least spoken of them all and it's very important topic for us as children of God we need to know why Christ has called us and what he has set ahead of us. So Christian hope is the expectation and plan of God for us when he called us into salvation and sonship through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's very important that we understand this hope, so I can appreciate what God has done for us in Christ. And this is so important that when Paul was addressing the Ephesians, he prayed a prayer for them from Ephesians 1:18. He says, that "I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope." To which he has called you. The riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people. It became a prayer point to them that they should know the hope. To which he has called them having come into the faith. They should know what God has prepared for them. And in the same Ephesians. It is also mentioned that for all of us. There's one hope of our calling. Not that each person has different hope. All of us have one singular hope to which God has called us. Ephesians 4 4 says there's one body and one spirit, just as you we were called to one hope when you we were called. So all of us are called into one single hope. And If we are caught with one single hope, it is very important that we know and understand this. I think this word scripture mentioned as Christ in you, Christ in us, the hope of glory, the glory that lies ahead of us. Colossians one twenty five to 27. I have become a servant, that is, servant of the gospel. I have become its servant. By the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now disclosed to the lost people, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory." So the hope that lies ahead of us is the hope of glory. The hope to which God has called us is to share in the glory of Christ for eternity. So if we go back to our text and let's walk through it from verse 17 to 24. So verse 17 to 18 says we will share in Christ's glory. Romans eight seventeen to eighteen. For if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We are children of God who will share in the inheritance of Christ. As we share in his suffering in this world, we also share in his glory in eternity. And that glory is going to be revealed, that that will be revealed in us, cannot be compared to any suffering that may go through in this world. So it's not something you can trade. For anything we go through now. Though some people go through situations and say that they are going to abandon Christ because of what they are going through. It's because they don't understand the hope that's ahead of them. If you understand the glory that's ahead of us, you will know that there's nothing you can go through in this life that can be compared with that glory. And that's why we must understand that hope that is set before us. So the scripture go on to describe the glory that is awaiting us by telling us what God has in plan for this universe and his children. So verse 19 to 22, God will create a glorious universe for his children to inherit. Romans eight nineteen to 22, for the creation wait in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth, Right up to the present time. The creation has been subjected to frustration by God and is groaning for liberation from its current decay, from its current falling states. Men of this world may call it different names. We know different names are have been going on now, like climate change, global warming, natural disaster. But we know through the scriptures that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth, waiting for something glorious to come. All these things are the childbirth that the creation itself is going through, waiting for something glorious to be liberated from its current decay. The creation is eagerly waiting in hope for the glory of the children of God to be revealed. God is not fixing this current earth. He's not going to repair this current one that we have now. No matter how much you spend on it to repair this one, God is not repairing it. He's not fixing it. He's actually going to destroy this current one so that I can bring a new and glorious one. A new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. 2nd Peter 3, 10-13 But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people you ought to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God, and speed is coming. That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with His promise, we, the children of God, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new heart, where righteousness dwells. A new heaven and a new heart, where righteousness dwells, where there is no sin, the only thing that dwells there is righteousness. A new heaven and a new heart, where God will live with his children forever. A place where there is no pain or death. Revelation 21, 1-5 Then I saw a new heaven and a new heart. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "Look!" He who was seated on the throne said I'm making everything new Then he said Write this down For these words are trustworthy and true These words are trustworthy and they are true A place that does not need sun or moon or night Because the glory of God gives it light And that light will not go out because the glory of God cannot go out no place of worship will be needed because the Lord almighty and the Lamb are his temple so we don't go to a place of worship because God is a temple over there and the Lamb of God Christ Jesus our Lord a place of righteousness where sin or sinful people cannot enter Revelation 21 22-27 I don't see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the lamp are his temple. The city does not need sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light. The lamp is his lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the heart will bring their splendor into it. On no day will the gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So this is a place where we we'll see the face of God and will not die. You know God said to Moses that no one can see My face and still live. But there's a place where we we'll see the face of God and we we'll reign with Him forever and ever, as mentioned in Revelation 22, 4 to 5. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads, there will be no more night, they will not need the light of a lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever, this is what God is planning for us, and this is why he saved us. So that's his plan for the universe bringing a new heaven and a new heart. But it is a place that no sinful people can enter and nobody can enter with sin. So he's doing something to us so that we will be fit to occupy that glorious place. So God will give glorious resurrection bodies to His people. That's Romans 8 verse 23, not only so but we ourselves, who are the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies." These bodies need redemption. This body of sin needs a perfect body that can live in a perfect world. The new heaven and the new earth is so pure that no sin or sinful men can enter into it. If sinful men enter, they will corrupt the place again like we have corrupted this present earth with sin. We need to completely free from sin before we can enter and inherit the place. Because of that, the Lord is giving us a perfect body to live in a perfect world. This will happen when the Lord returns and our current perishable and mortal bodies will be replaced with imperishable and immortal bodies just like his own, just like the body of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 50-53 I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does perishable inherit imperishable, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkle of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When Christ returns, this body is going to change to a perfect one without sin to a glorious body, just like the body of Jesus like 1 John 3, 2 also mentioned to us Dear friends, now we are children of God what we will be has not yet been made known but we know that when Christ appears we shall be like Him for we shall see him as he is we don't know how we look like but one thing that we know that when Christ appears we shall be exactly like him we shall have his glorious body he's going to change this sinful body into his glorious one that's why we always look forward to his appearing that's why we pray every time your kingdom come because our future is tied to the return of the Lord. Philippians 3, 20 21 But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies, so that they will be like his glorious body. That's how we eagerly look forward to his return. Because then, everything that God has put in place for us will be realized. And this is the hope of Christians. When we come to church, when we serve him every day, we do this because of that hope in front of us that we are looking forward to and when he himself saved us he saved us in this very hope this is what God had in mind when he saved us in this hope you were saved verse 24 to 25 Romans 8 24 to 25 for in this hope we were saved but hope that is sin is no hope at all Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So this is the hope of our calling in Christ. This is why God saved us. We were called to conform to the image of the Son of God and share in His glory. It belongs to the future, and we need to patiently wait for it to happen. Romans 8, 29-30 For those God foreknew, He also predestined, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and those He predestined, He also called, those He called, He also justified, those He justified, He also glorified. So that's why Jesus told us that the will of his father is for him to raise us up on the last day and he's committed to doing that and you see Jesus telling people that this is why he has come down from heaven that those who believe in him he will raise them up on the last day this is the whole reason that he has come to this world John 6 7 to 40 all those that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. That's the will of the Father, and that's why Christ came to the world. That's why He died for you and I, to save us, to redeem us, to raise raise us up at the last day, and for us to spend eternity with Him and His Father in the new world that is created. So why is it so important that we understand this? Is it just an abstract thing for us to just have in mind? Or is it so important that we know this? So I put three things, three points here on the importance of understanding the hope of our calling. Why is it important that we understand the hope of our calling? First one, that hope is an important foundational teaching of our Christian faith. Hebrews 6, 1-2 Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. You can see that when the foundational teaching of our faith are termized there, resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment are part of it. So before we can talk about moving to maturity, we need to understand this. So this is not a teaching for people that are really matured, this is a foundational teaching of all believers. And like I said earlier, First Corinthians 13, 13, that says three things abide, faith, hope, and love. These three are very fundamental to our Christian faith, and we need to understand. The second one is the um, reason why we need to understand is that hope, is an anchor for the soul. When someone is hopeful, it helps a person in the time of trouble. And when hope is dead, the person loses every reason to be alive. The Book of Proverbs says, um, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, is a tree of life." Hebrews 6, 19 to 20. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our follower Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And to explain this, I will just quote from Bain's commentary. On Hebrews 16:19, I love the way it captures this hope as anchor for the soul. So, about, about Ben's Bain's commentary on Hebrews 6:19, it says, "Hope accomplishes for the soul the same thing which an anchor does for a ship. It makes it fast and secure. An anchor preserves the ship when the waves beat." And the wind blows. And as long as the anchor holds, so long the ship is safe, and the sailor sees no danger, so would the Christian soul, so with the soul of the Christian. In the tempest and trials of life, his mind is calm as long as his hope of heaven is firm. If that gives away, if that gives way, it feels that all is lost. We are in this world as a ship at the sea, liable to be tossed to be tossed up and down. So o up is a strong anchor for our soul during temptations, persecutions and afflictions that we encounter in this world and our hope is firmly secured on Christ and if our hope is on Christ we know that it is hope that cannot disappoint. I think it is Romans 5.5 that says hope does not disappoint. The third importance of understanding the hope of our calling that hope helps us to conquer the fear of death. And that is the fear that grieves almost everyone in this world. People that are afraid to die. But it is the hope in Christ that helps us to conquer the fear of death. Because the language you will see for the apostles is that instead of fearing death, they are actually, they actually groaning to go and meet the Lord. They want to get out of this body and be at home with the Lord. Because there's hope of life after here. So, because we know that the glory that's ahead of us, that because we know the glory that's ahead of us, we should not fear death again. Because death has become transition to glory and to the presence of the Lord. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit. To not just look forward to the, to the glory, but also eagerly groan to be clothed with their resurrection bodies and to do away with this sinful, decaying body. If we read that Romans 8.23 again, it says, Not only so, but we ourselves saved who are the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption to sonship. The redemption of our bodies. There's a groaning now that I want to cross over to the other side. Instead of being afraid of crossing over to the other side. 17, Second Corinthians 5, 1 to 5 says to us. I'm reading from the NLT translation. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself, and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to, be, to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we put on the heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to be clothed. We want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God Himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, He has given us His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has given us is a guarantee that is going to actualize this in our lives. So being with the Lord has become something that Christians look forward to, either by death or by his return. Second Corinthians 5, 6-8 to 8 from the same NLT says, so we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing, not by seeing. yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. This is what hope does for us. Instead of men being afraid to die, they actually want to depart this body and be with the Lord. I can see the example with the life of Paul. In Philippians, you understand that Christians who have lived for Christ lose nothing in death, but have things to gain in death. Philippians 1 21. For me, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The only motivation for Paul to continue living in this world is to serve Christ by helping his church. So what is your own motivation for living in this world? So Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die again. If each of us will say this to ourselves, what are you going to put in that place? For me to live is what? Is it for my mortgage, for my children? For my family, for my wealth, for my career, for what are you living for? We need to be able to answer this question. But for Paul, it says, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And at the end of Paul's life, when death was turning in in the face, he had the hope of glory as an anchor for his soul. When the time for him to die came, he was not afraid of death, He was looking forward to that hope. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, Read from the same energy. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the price awaits me, the kind of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the price is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Do you have anything to look forward to? All of us should have this to look forward to. And once we are in this state, there's nothing to fear again in this world. Because the only thing that waits us after this place is glory. And we can sincerely pray every day that kingdom come. Please, Lord, come, because we know what lies ahead of us. So we must understand that Christ has delivered us from the fear of dying. Hebrews 2:40-15 Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as human beings could He die, and only by dying could He break the power of the devil. Who had power over death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Christians should not live their lives again as slaves to the fear of dying, because Christ has conquered death. So, as we eagerly await this hope, What are the expectations of God for us? What does God expect us to do? Is it just to just fold our hands and look into the sky to see the day that Jesus will return? Or does he want us to do something in the present? So I put three points here, what he wants us to be doing as he waits for his return. One, we need to wait patiently for that hope. Romans eight twenty four to twenty five. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. We have to understand that the race may be longer than we expected, though it may be short for some. Hope in Christ is what inspires patience in our Christian race and helps us to endure all things. And if you look at First um, Thessalonians 1.3. It says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You could see these three dimensions of our Christian life again. Faith, hope, and love. Work belongs to faith. Work of faith. The labor of love and the patience, the endurance of hope. It is hope of what Christ has a future for us that helps us to endure today. And um, um, think it's Hebrews 12, 1-2. That said we should look unto Jesus The author and the finisher Of our faith Who for the joy that was set Before him He endured the cross And despised the shame There was some that the Lord was looking forward to That made him to endure the cross And to despise the shame Hope inspires Endurance In us So we should wait for it Patiently Secondly, we need to live a holy and righteous life as we wait for the hope of glory. Titus 2, 11 to 13. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. While we wait, this is the way He wants us to live. He has given us the grace to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the present hope. So, as we look forward to this hope in Christ, we should, ourselves, we should prefer ourselves as Christ is pure. And we do that through the grace of God that is Jesus to say no to all unrighteousness. 1 John 3 3 says all who are this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The motivation for righteous living is the hope that we have in Christ. Our destination is what controls how we live today. So thirdly, serve the Lord faithfully the Lord faithfully 1 Corinthians 15 58 therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm let nothing move you always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain and if you look at the lead up to verse 58, it's talking about the appearing of Jesus and how we'll be we changed, how we are going to meet him in the air. I said, therefore, because of this, we should serve God faithfully. Our service to God is motivated by the fact that Christ is going to reward us when he returns. That is why we should give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So our service to God and his people will never go unrewarded. Hebrews 16 from New Living Translation. For God is not unjust. You will not forget how hard you have worked for him. And how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. God is not unjust to forget. He will surely reward everyone according to their works when He returns. You may not get any reward for your work in this life, but your reward awaits you when Christ returns. And that should motivate us. Whether people say thank you to us or not, should not be a motivation for serving him or for serving his people. You may not be appreciated for what you do in serving the people of God or the church of God. That should not be your motivation. Your motivation should be when Christ returns, He's going to reward all who have served him. Revelation twenty two twelve. Say, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I said it's coming soon, as the word is written. You will reward everyone according to what they have done. So finally, so we need to praise God for his mercy for Catholics' worthy to be part of this hope in Christ we also need to realize that it is the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that makes these things possible, that inspires us, that makes this hope to overflow in our hearts. The more we fellowship with the Lord, and allow His Spirit to walk in our hearts, the more we look desire for this falling world, and look forward to the hope of our calling. If you allow the Spirit to work in us, this world will not be where we want to camp, but we always want to look forward, we we'll say like this, Apostle Paul in Romans 8 and 2 Corinthians 5, that says, we groan because of the work of the Spirit within us, waiting to be clothed with our heavenly bodies. So I will close with the prayer of Paul for the church in Rome. Romans 13 verse 15 says may God of hope fill you all fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit let us pray Lord we thank you for the hope that you have said before us. We thank you for making us be partaker of this work in Christ. Now we pray that you allow your Holy Spirit to work in us, that our hearts may overflow with this hope. And this hope will motivate us to live a godly life and to serve you faithfully. All the days of our life. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen.